Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Again, friends, and welcome on in to a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield in the big chair for today, Monday, September 27th, 2021, episode 206 of the Sco Show, proudly brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation, as well as the great people over here at Pat's Pulpit. And what's there to say, really? New England Patriots struggle and lose and drop to one and two on the season where they lost to the New Orleans Saints, to Jameis Winston. We are going to get into a couple of things today. We're going to talk a lot about the offense. We're going to talk a little bit about the defense. I'm going to talk about a day in the life of Uncle Mark. I'm going to have some other thoughts at the end, but I think there's only really one way to start this show, and it's with... A DM that I got from John Limaracas, friend of the show, driver of the Slack channel. Again, if you'd like an invite to the Scotia Slack channel, reach out via the DMs at Mark Schofield on the Bird app if you want to get an invite. But at 3.13 Sunday afternoon, I got this link, a video sent to me from John with the sort of caption to it, I don't know if you watch Adventure Time, but the theme of the day is, and this is it. Unacceptable! 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 What? What's going on? Unacceptable! Yeah, you kind of get the point there, right? Unacceptable. That is every time Lemon Grab yells unacceptable from Adventure Time. And like I said, John sent me that at 3.13 on Sunday. And it sort of sums up that day, right? Unacceptable. And the way I want to structure this show, the way I want to talk about this game is by letting you into the world of Uncle Mark on... An NFL Sunday, as you might expect, my duties around the football media world pulled me in multiple different directions. I, I've got to keep an eye, although I, I was lucky in a sense, the Giants, I mean, excuse me, the Cowboys and the Eagles playing on Monday night. I didn't have to keep an eye on those games, but obviously I've got an eye on Daniel Jones. I've got an eye on everything league wide, but I've got an eye on the Patriots game as well. And so I've got multiple screens, feeds, all sorts of stuff set up, and I've got one eye on the Patriots game. And typically, 
what I do is I, I keep an eye on the Patriots for this show and for content throughout the week. My writing duties with Touchdown Wire with USA Today, I, I try to write on other stuff during NFL Sundays, right? You know, I'll keep an eye on the Patriots game and I'll I'll be studying the Patriots game and I'll make notes of plays that I want to come back to and watch when I get my hands on the All-22 that drops. But I try to focus on other stuff when it comes to just writing, right? You know, yesterday, for example, I wrote about the Chargers and Brandon Staley's aggressive decisions at the end. I wrote about Josh Allen and the start he had on Sunday against Washington. Later in the day, I wrote about Kirk Cousins. Already today, I'm up with Jeremiah Wilson-Kamore. In addition to the bevy of, of Twitter breakdowns, the, the three throws with Sco stuff that I do on Twitter each Monday. But I try not to write about the New England Patriots in the moment. And, and partly it's because I'm saving you know, content for this show, for the Wednesday show. Partly it's because I um, don't want to get caught up in the emotion of the moment. But I scrapped that yesterday. I, I scrapped that and sat down during that game and wrote a piece titled Making Sense of the New England Offense because obviously that is where the discussion starts, right? The discussion starts with Mac Jones, with his offensive line, with these weapons on offense that they brought in and where this offense is right now. And it's easy to fall into the trap of it's a rookie quarterback and that's the problem. There's more to it than that. There's more that's going on with this offense than just Mac Jones is a rookie, he's not good, or Mac Jones is a rookie, he's not there yet, or there's a lot. And it does start up front. Mac Jones, we knew coming in, is a quarterback in that Tom Brady mold, right? Of footwork, pocket presence, he's not the world's greatest athlete, and so you want to put a good offensive, obviously, you want to put a good offensive line in front of every quarterback. The protection has been an issue at times this season. And, you know, as I wrote, there was a week two sack against the New York Jets where the Jets show pressure. They walk Marcus May down over the right side, Javon Guidry over into the box as well. They use a six man protection scheme. They slide four to the right. They leave Isaiah Wynn in a dual situation with both. You know, a defender walked down as well as an outside pass rusher, a defensive end. They leave James White in. They should have it blocked up. They've got six. Gidry and linebacker CJ Mosey, who's also shown blitz drop. They should have it blocked up. They have the numbers to block it up. The problem is wind gets beat from Bryce Huff's speed move on one side, and Durant gets beat by the blitz in May, the safety, on the other side, they meet at the quarterback. And so I highlighted that play in the piece to say, look, it's not just Mac Jones is unathletic and he's a statue and he can't move. There's more to it than that. And you spin forward to Sunday, right around the time John was sending me that unacceptable video not that the video was unacceptable. It was a video of Lemon Grab saying unacceptable. I love John. I love the video. And you get the interception on third and 10 with under three minutes to go in the first half. And what do we see on that play? 
Well, Saints are showing pressure up front. Stop me if you've heard this before. They've got six guys down in the box showing pressure. Among them, Malcolm Jenkins. You've got Cam Jordan. You've also got Lattimore down in the box over a receiver, although he's not really in the box. He, he's over a gunner. He's more impressive alignment. But you have one, two, three, four, five, six people showing blitz. They don't bring all six. They bring five. You have a six-man protection scheme here. Brandon Bolden is in the game. He is involved in the protection. You should have this blocked up. But you get pressure on Jones anyway. You get pressure upfield. First, it's Demario Davis. He gets pressure working against Michael Wenu. And that's kind of to Jones's blind side. And Jones feels that initially, and he starts to slide sort of to his right in the pocket. And then on the other side, look, you've got Cam Jordan against Durant. And he starts to run on the arc. Jones sees that. He tries to step up. But there's a stunt on the inside. And you get pressure and a free shot from Ellis, the linebacker, on Jones as he's trying to make this throw. The ball flutters, and it's intercepted. They're getting pressure on Jones. And at this point in his career, uh, things are going to be slower in his mind. And handling that pressure in the moment is going to be tough. Now look, that wasn't the only play where he was pressured. There was a sack earlier in the game. This is a situation where it's a first and 10, early uh, 7.35 mark of the first quarter. And you get a pressure situation where you don't get it blocked up. You don't see a blitz coming. The indicators are sort of there pre-snap, right? Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, strong safety. He's down in a wing. You've got 12 personnel on the field. Excuse me, 11 personnel on the field. You've brought Jonu Smith in, in motion. He's in a wing to the right. Gardner Johnson comes. It should get blocked up. Damian Harris has pass protection responsibilities here. This should get blocked up. Jones working off of play action. He's got a three-level read to the left side. Aguilar goes deep. You've got a crosser from Myers and another crosser from Bourne on the shallow. You've got a three-level read. Harris doesn't finish the block. Pass protection is not passive. If you talk to any of the offensive line guys, whether it's you know Duke Mannyweather, Brandon Thorne, Jeff Schwartz, Mitchell Schwartz, they will tell you pass protection is not passive. Harris waits and catches. You got to go get him. And by waiting and catching, when Gardner Johnson and Harris first collide, they are like a yard and a half away from Mac Jones. And Mac Jones feels that and starts to step up. But, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson has rocked Harris back. He's able to disengage and get there for the sack. And so there are some pass protection things that need to get sorted out. Now, this does not dismiss Mac Jones. 
Did Mac Jones play well? No, he didn't play great. But he battled. If you're looking for a bright side, he battled in this game. And you got a situation where he throws the touchdown late, which is, you know, that was a gutty play. Hunt in there in the pocket. Hunt in there against pressure. First and 10, 948 mark, excuse me, of the fourth quarter. It's a 21-6 game. You need something big to happen. They're showing pressure again. They bring pressure. You end up with a free runner at you. And it's unclear exactly why. Justin Heron's now in the game at right tackle. He sets out to the right. His first step is wide to the right. Cameron Jordan hits him with an inside move, and he is unblocked, free shot at Mac Jones. But this is reminiscent of some of the stuff we saw at Alabama where, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to get ahead of this with my mind. And Jones makes this like weird sort of jump throw because he's under pressure. Bourne goes to get it, and you get the touchdown. Even on the touchdown, you have problems with protection. And then, of course, you get the interception late. You know, you're down 15 with 15 seconds left. He's just making a throw like it happens. Now, even though Mac didn't play great, the idea was coming into this year, you put weapons around him, you put an offensive line in front of him. These are the things that's going to put him, these are the things that will put him in a position to be successful. It's not there yet. It's not there yet. Now, there's solace in the idea that this is still the Belichickian extended preseason, right? Maybe there's something to be said for that. Maybe there are ways you can get this ship righted on the offensive side of the football. And we'll try to brainstorm some of those next here on episode 2068, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness installment of this ghost show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on the Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness installment of the SCO Show. And 
Where do they go from here? What do they do to fix this? What do they do to fix this on offense? And I wish I knew. I know that's probably a letdown, right? You probably, you know, you heard the ad break. You're like, okay, second half of the show, right? Mark's going to dive in. Mark's going to dive into the tape. He's going to dive into more stuff. And he's going to say, look, they need to do this, this, and this, and offense. They need to, you know, run these concepts and run these protections. That's not quite it. You know, because as we've talked about on some of these plays, they've had the numbers to get stuff blocked up. It's not a situation where there's a breakdown in scheme or it's not a situation where it's like Justin Fields on set on Sunday in Cleveland where, you know, they go five protection on 13 of his 20 dropbacks. I mean, look, say what you want about Dan Orlovsky. He absolutely crushed Matt Nagy, but he had the evidence. He was loaded for bear, as my law school advisor said to me back in my first year of law school when I practiced my first closing statement. He was like, you were loaded for bear on that one because you had the evidence to back up what you were saying. Orlovsky had the numbers to back it up, right? 20 drop back, 20 passing attempts. On 13 passing attempts, they went five-man protection. He got sacked nine times yesterday. This isn't like that. You know, the Patriots, on many of these plays where Jones is feeling pressured, they've got the numbers to block it up. It's more, from my viewing of it, an issue with execution, right? Now, there might be a simple, easy fix. Let's get Trent Brown back. Because a lot of this stuff, you're, you're seeing pressure off the right tackle spot. Durant and Justin Heron, they're, they're having some struggles there right now. You get Trent Brown back, and, and you might feel better about the right tackle spot. That will certainly help. Losing James White to injury, that doesn't help. You know, Because James White, for everything he does in the passing game, he's also a very savvy pass protector. And that's why I think you saw some Brandon Bolden in there to try to get some stuff blocked up. Now, we just talked about the Damian Harris play where pass protection is not passive. You got to go get him. You see that guy coming, he's your man, go get him. You may throw a great block, but if you're throwing that great block in the lap of your quarterback, your QB is going to have to move off the spot, and that's when bad things tend to happen. And so getting Trent Brown back, maybe seeing some Brandon Bolden, that's going to be a part of this. The other part is, I think... You're going to have to be a bit more creative, less static on offense, I think. You know, they do some three-step drop stuff. They do some quick game stuff. We all know this. I think you're going to have to do some of that. Now, of course, the issue there is, okay, well, you're asking guys like Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar and John o. Smith, who's, who's had some struggles, and others, these weapons that you brought in to separate early in the down. And as much as you might like all these acquisitions and have faith that these guys can sort of figure stuff out. That isn't a group that is known for separating early in the down. You know, sometimes when you think, look, quick game stuff, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, minimize what's happening up front. You're a quarterback. You're running that three-step drop game, right? Right foot, left foot, right foot, hit and throw. Ball's going to come out. You better have an option. Because three-step quick game becomes seven-step long game in a hurry if you don't have anywhere to go with the football. And so it becomes 
Do you have the guys that could separate consistently on those kinds of routes? Or if not, is it something that's going to have to get schemed up by Josh McDaniels? Now, they tried some three-step quick game in this game. The very first pass attempt, three-step mesh concept. Mac Jones tries to hit the go route to Aguilar, and the two can't connect. They tried that stuff. Second and 12 in the first play of the second quarter. Three-step quick game concept, slant to Jacoby Myers from the slot. Pocket kind of collapsed a little bit around him, even with just a three-man rush. Jones was able to hand in there and make a throw. They tried some quick game stuff. The best example of having some success in that three-step drop game comes first and 10, 123 left, second quarter. Three-step gun drop, so it's not under center. It's still quick game, though, right? Jones, right, left, right, hit, ball out on the out route to Aguilar. Soft cover three look. You'll take it. You know, maybe more of that. You know, maybe more of those kinds of moments, more of those kinds of designs, more of those kinds of plays. You know, the interception that sort of went through John, John Smith's hands, you know, as I tell the base, the kids I coach in baseball, like you, you try to make a baseball play and something bad happens, like I'm not going to get on you. We could sit there and say he's got to catch that, and yeah, he should, but these things happen. Problem is, at that point, you're already down 11. Of course, you know having it go the other way doesn't help, but you're already down. How do you get down in the first place? You struggle to protect. You're not executing as well as you can up front. You're not ex- executing as well as you can as a result of that downfield. And your rookie quarterback is starting to struggle. And so they need to sort this stuff out. Problem is, you know what this week's about. And, and of course, we're going to talk, might have something special planned for, for Wednesday's show. Um, we're going to have to talk a lot about Tom Brady. But, but for this, they've got issues on offense that go beyond just Mac Jones. I think it's a problem of execution in the pass protection game that has to get sorted out. But these were the things you knew you needed to take care of when you drafted this kid, right? All the consternation that that, that people had about Jones from an athletic profile standpoint, right? You know, even even when I talked about Jones pre-draft or post-draft, it was, okay, he's going to have to win with footwork and being ahead of things. He does a very good job at understanding protections, but... You know, he he's not the kind of quarterback that can mask protection breakdowns with his athleticism. He has to do it with his mind. He's a rookie quarterback in the NFL playing his third game. The mind might not be where it is for him now like it was in the semifinal against Notre Dame when you see him, you know, at the end of his first full year as a starter, getting ahead of stuff with his mind. He's not there yet. He'll probably get there soon. And that leads me to the sort of final point that I want to make, time and patience. Time and patience. When you made the decision to burn the boats and go all in on Mac Jones, the idea is it might not happen overnight. Rookie quarterbacks struggle. We saw Justin Fields. We've seen Zach Wilson. You know, guys like Herbert and, you know, Mahomes in his first full year as a starter. Joe Burrow to an extent. Guys that have played early and have success. Yes, there are people like me, idiots with microphones, saying that these are the things you need, you need to do for young quarterbacks to put them in a position to be successful. Doesn't mean it always happens. Doesn't mean that they always take off. There are growing pains. Again, stop me, Brian Phillips. 
said it Wednesday night. If we had a nickel for every time I said the phrase, quarterback development is not linear, man, we'd have quite the ad budget here at Pat's Pulpit. But it's not. Quarterback development is not linear. There are going to be bumps along the way. Mac Jones might get to where he needs to be. He might get there by Halloween, but it might take some time. So we might need some patience along the way. Before we go, I it, I did want to stop and take a moment. Many of you probably seen this. Mike Taglieri, um, an icon, a giant in the fantasy football industry, passed away after a, a an extended battle with COVID. And I did want to take a moment. You've probably seen the outpouring of just love for Mike for Tags, and with good reason. Mike was an extremely hardworking member of the fantasy football community, but he was also somebody that to many was a mentor. He was somebody that even though he was reaching incredible heights with his career, he was always looking out for other people that were getting their start and trying to help them along the way. And now he's gone and you see the outpouring of love from so many other members of the industry, men and women, big and small, huge accounts, small accounts, Titans in the industry, up and starters in the industry, all saying basically the same thing. This was a great man. And he leaves behind a wife and he leaves behind two young children. And this one rocked me. It rocked a lot of people I know. Um, and it's sometimes in the moments of uh, like this, you, you try to make sense of things. You try to learn things. And Having spent a couple of days now thinking about this, because we got the news on Saturday. One of Mike's enduring legacies was that willingness to help, that willingness to sort of be better for those around him, to help them. And after almost two years of what we've been going through as a society, when we've had people taken from us, when we've we've had people like Mike taken from us far too early, Maybe that legacy of Mike is a legacy that we should all sort of take to heart, right? Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is absolutely 100% not guaranteed. It's just a simple fact of life. So you don't know when that last moment with someone you love is going to be. I may get done recording this show right now, go walk around the street to, to meet my kids at the bus stop, car comes around the corner too fast and that's it it's it's an unfortunate fact of life but that's why this life that we get like i sometimes try to tell people we get one crack at it it's like one drive one game whatever football analogy you want to use we get one crack at it how do you want to be remembered i hate to bring up a nickelback song but say what you want about nickelback but the idea behind that song if today was your last day there's something to that, right? How would you want to go out? How would you want it to be? How would you want it to play out? Would you pick fights with loved ones? Would, would you fight with people on the internet? Or, or would you do something different? Would you handle it different? When we got the news about Mike, I was in one of my various football group chats with a, a group of people, men, all men, um, this particular one. Um, men don't often talk about emotions, right? We, we tend to keep things bottled up. And even me, somebody that wears his heart on his sleeve from time to time in front of you, in front of this microphone, 
it's still sometimes hard. There was an outpouring of, of love in that, that group chat after that. And it went away pretty quickly when we got back to roasting each other on Sunday. But tell your buddies you love them. Tell your loved ones you love them. I remember reading an article a couple years ago about a study of marriages and how marriages stay healthy. And there was this thought that like the, the healthy marriages are ones where, and anybody that's married or with a partner or with a long-term partner, you know there are those moments, right, where you're both tired or whatever, you're like cleaning up, you're making dinner, and somebody says something, and your first instinct is to like push back, right? They called it a bid in the in this article, this study, where you get those moments in life where it's like you're exhausted, you've been cooking, or you've been working all day, or you've been dealing with the kids, and your partner, your wife, your husband, your spouse says something, and all you want to do is say, what? And just push back on them. Now, healthy marriages, the healthy partnerships are the ones where people don't buy into those moments, where they just let them go. It's like that 59-foot curveball that lands in front of the plate. If you swing at it, you're going to look like an idiot. If you let it go, you'll have a nice at-bat. Let those pitches go. Let those moments go. Instead of snapping in that moment, ignore it, let that pitch go, wait for the next one, and when the next one comes, remind that person that you love them. We get one crack at this life and we've been reminded far too often over the past, say, 20 months of that one crack we get. Mike was an icon in the fantasy football industry, but he was also an icon because of what he did for others. And I want to try to like live that way as best as I can. And like Nickelback said, like today, if today was my last day, if I do go get hit by that car when I log off now and go pick up the kids at the bus, what will I have left? Hopefully something good. So I just wanted to sort of pass that along. I, I know it's a lot for a football podcast, but sometimes I delve into this a little bit because I've been there. I've struggled with stuff. I've struggled with the mental health side of things. This one was one that rocked me and others. Maybe it rocked you as well. Some of you that listened to his show or followed him on Twitter, you've probably seen the outpouring of love and support, but there are so many lessons to be learned along the way during this thing we call life, during that one drive, one game. That's, I think, a good one to learn. Don't swing at those 59-foot curveballs. Tell everybody, your buddies, your kids, your partners, your parents, every chance you get. Remind them how much you love them because tomorrow is not guaranteed. If I don't get hit by that bus, I'll be back Wednesday, hopefully with a fun show. I'm trying to work something out for Wednesday because we know it's a big one, Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Tell your loved ones you love them. Wash your hands. And when you do, sin a lot. Bless those Patriots reigns. Down in Foxborough.